Hello, and welcome to The Weekend Starts on Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of The Weekend Starts on Wednesday. My name is Patrick Arias, and it is my pleasure to be your tour guide as we break down and discuss this weekend's hot picks and bold predictions. We are dedicated to covering all the best sporting events taking place from Wednesday to Sunday, and this weekend is no different. We are usually live in the living room, but this week I'm home in the beautiful Coachella Valley. So the three fellas have joined me via Zoom, and tonight, Andres the Cavalier King, Bryant, first prize Flores, and none other than Mr. Champagne Chauncey. We all discuss this week's topics, what's going on in Jacksonville with Tim Tebow. The Dodgers and Giants are in a tight race in the NL West. Can the Oakland Athletics finish top of the AL West? What is going to happen Saturday night with the Manny Pacquiao fight? Flores has an interesting bet he likes to present to the audience. Scumbags of the night, Patrick is pissed off at a popular ESPN anchor. Andres, MLB franchise, on the East Coast, pissing him off. Some NBA-related and chance describes his experience Saturday night in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. We're going to get into all this. We're going to answer all these questions after a quick message from our sponsor. In true weekend starts on Wednesday fashion, we like to start off every show with a topic or hero extremely close and local to our hearts. And it doesn't get any more close and local to our hearts than last week's Instagram post. I put up a post of us discussing the Max Scherzer acquisition by the Los Angeles Dodgers. And Flores went on record to say that he wasn't impressed by Max Scherzer coming to the Dodgers. Um, He said that he didn't think that it made the Dodgers better. All it did was replace Trevor Bauer. And um, I got a few messages. Uh, I got a few text messages as well and a few direct messages to the Instagram account. Needless to say, it was a little bit of an overwhelming response. Uh, People were shocked. Obviously, we are based out of Los Angeles, so we have a lot of Dodger fans that follow us and that listen to us weekly. And um, they do know that Flores is the Giants fan of the group. So Flores, in spirit, in the spirit of you not being impressed by a major, uh, by a major story right now in the sports climate, I'm w- in- inviting everybody to disclose one thing they're not impressed by, and I'll go off. Uh, I'll start first, and I will say that I'm not impressed with Julio Jones' acquisition. It's actually starting to just irritate the fuck out of me that every single person is saying that this makes the Titans so much better. Uh, Julio Jones is always a wild card. You don't know if he's going to play on fantasy rosters. He's always doubtful, questionable until game time. It creates a hell of fucking stressful situation. Should I start him? Should I not start him? And I'm going to take Flores's quote and say, I don't think that it's that big of a deal for the Tennessee Titans to acquire Julio Jones. Um, it, it doesn't impress me. I, I definitely not going to draft him. If I'm going to draft a Tennessee Titan wide receiver, I'm going with 
Brown, I believe it's uh, AJ Brown. So, um, Chance, who is not, who are you not impressed by? What are you not impressed by? And do you think that I'm full of shit with my first comment? No, I don't think you're you're full of shit. I think Julio, who's been arguably the greatest receiver in the NFL the last ten years, um, you know, I think he's due to have a plateau year, maybe even drop off, drop off a little bit. Uh, I know he's going to be playing with Ryan Tannehill and, and King Derrick Henry, but still, man, he's he's had a lot of tread on those tires. So um, I won't be surprised if he falls off a little bit. I'm actually uh, unimpressed with another Jones. Um, which is why I'm glad that you went to me next. I'm unimpressed with Matt Jones. I Ooh. know that the media in, in in New England has been slurping him, uh, sucking him up. I know that everyone thinks he's the heir apparent to Tom Brady, and he's going to carry the franchise, being the 15th overall pick, coming out of the powerhouse of Alabama, and going from the tutelage of Nick Saban, who's a great teacher, to, to Bill Belichick is even a greater teacher. But I'm just not impressed, man. He doesn't have a lively arm. There was a throw that he made across the field where it's just like the running back literally had to reach down to his toes to grab the ball to catch it. Um, he's got a little bit of a happy feet. I know that he, he process, processes things well. But, you know, everyone tries to compare him to Tom Brady as far as his ability to manipulate the pocket and move the pocket, but I just don't see it yet. And again, we have to remember, this is against preseason talent, right? <laughs> so it's not like he's seeing first-team defenses, first-team, you know, DNs and D-lines, you know. So I, I'm just I'm, – I'm not impressed, even less impressed with Cam, and I'm a Cam guy, but I'm not that impressed <laughs> with, with Mac Jones. And uh, I hope he makes me a believer. I'm not a Patriots fan, but I hope he proves me wrong, but – I don't think he is, and I think he's going to be a dud in the NFL personally. The Cavalier King, I'm looking at you. Who are you not impressed by? And do you agree with Chance's assessment of Mac Jones? I mean, like there's, he's got some valid points to it. It's so early. It's still preseason. We don't know what's going to happen in the season. We don't. He hasn't faced anybody. So it's all valid. Is he the next coming of Tom Brady? Probably not. Um, but, you know, under the tutelage of the great – wise uh, coach of his and the, uh, the the little hoodie that he likes to wear and Belichick, we know that he could transform players to great to great players. So I think he's going to be in a good system. Uh, let's see what what happens in the next coming season or this coming year. I don't know if Cam Newton is going to be the starter. Uh, doesn't look like it. But I think Mac Jones is, uh, look, he's a champion. He knows how to win in college. He knows how to perform. He knows what it's like to be under great coaches. In Alabama, I think we're riding them too soon, but we'll see what happens when, when it's all said and done by the end of the year. I think the Patriots still make the playoffs with Mac Jones in the in that week AFC conference, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. What are you talking about? That, that same fucking division has a Super Bowl contender in the Buffalo Bills. You know, Pat, that Buffalo Bills can fucking go live. Well, look, let's, let's not break... Let's not break down the AFC East when we're talking about football a little later. Andres, who's who's the person that you think is overrated? What? Well, the one the one thing that was that I'm least impressed by is we talked about it last week or two weeks ago when uh, Paris Saint Germain signed you know Messi and all of them. I think the whole team as a club is less impressive to me because they've been getting all these players. On free transfers, they picked up Sergio Ramos' free transfer. 
Donnarumma from AC Milan, free transfer. Messi, they paid nothing for him, free transfer. Uh, Jorginho uh, Wyndham from Liverpool, free transfer. So all these big names that these guys have been having are all fine and dandy, but they haven't paid anything for it. So they got very lucky. Talk about a team that's been the last few years the most overrated team in all of soccer is Paris Saint-Germain with the likes of Mbappe and Neymar and Navas the last couple of years, and they can't get over the hump in the Champions League. They always choke in the semis or even the quarters. I feel it's the same uh, you know, routine that's going to be coming, the same carousel this coming year. I don't think they get past or get to the finals uh, in the Champions League. I think when I last saw to win the French League, it was minus 900 because that division and league is so fucking weak that they play nobody. So, yeah, they have all the big names in the world. But when push comes to shove, I don't think they're going to get to the promised land and raise that elusive Champions League Cup. Weren't you just saying last week that this team is better than even the Real Madrid team back in the days and it's the yeah, best team of all time? On paper, it looks fine and dandy. It looks great, but we know how things can shape up once the season starts. Players start getting hurt. There could be uh, some issues in the clubhouse. We don't know. Yeah, I said I know what I said last week. And yes, on paper, they have the the most prestigious team ever developed. You know, in a, in a club, if not since the Real Madrid days. But I don't think it means anything because they're not. It's not costing them anything. They've only paid $67 million in transfer fees over this summer, and it's only been one player, which is defender Hakimi from Inter Milan. At the end of the day, they got lucky because Barcelona is in just disarray. They're under, I think the president said that they're losing $107 million, uh, that they're in, in the red because they haven't been. They paid, check this out, guys. Barcelona paid $8 million for a scout in South America just to view players. $8 million. That's insane for a scout. I don't care how great he is or whatever. That's insane. That's the price of a player itself. But look, at the end of the day, I know what I said, Flores, but let's see what the season does. And let's let's talk to me come uh, what is the Champions League. Yeah, we're- come December. And see what they do. You just yeah, definitely. I, I know Pep is laughing at this team over at Man City. Like, dude, trust me, I'm still going to win it all. With a quarter, a quarter of the of the salary on that, that you guys oh, have. Yeah. I mean, Pat, what were you going to say? My bad, I interrupted you. I think Pat. Oh, I was just going to say you turned all three of us into the biggest PSG fans. <laughs> just yeah, so you. I'm not, a PSG, I'm not a PSG fan in general. I'm still rooting the Liverpool, the Reds. Uh, you still have other teams across the world that are going to be no, contenders. I, I meant because we all want them oh, to win to, to prove you wrong because th- that's always <laughs> a good day when you come in incorrect. And um, Flores um, says that you, uh, you know, nobody, we, we all heard what you said, but nobody heard that because that was the part of the clip that was messed up. So nobody knows. <laughs> I know he's- themselves. But, uh, <laughs> but look, I'm going to take this segment away from fucking weak-ass soccer and take it back to the NFL, which Pat and Chance were talking about. And something that I'm not impressed with, I'm not going to harp on a rookie, you know, like Chance was harping on Jones. I'm not going <laughs> to harp on a, you know, a wide receiver that's going to go help a team in the playoffs, because that's why they brought Julio in, not for the regular season. Who I am going to harp on, though, 
Stafford. Ooh. The Rams really think they're about to make it to the Super Bowl and the World Series and the NBA Finals, it seems like, because they got Matt Stafford. But I don't. he's the fourth, if not fifth, best quarterback in the NFC West behind Russ, behind Kyler. You guys know I love Kyler. Behind Trey Lance and Jimmy G. So he is literally the fifth best quarterback in a division of four teams. So Rams fans, I'm sorry you guys took the hit with Cam Akers, you know, in this offseason right now a couple weeks ago with him being down for the season. But you're in for a long season of fourth place in the NFC West, and I can't wait. He's not even the best quarterback at SoFi Stadium. Now let's shoot it over to um, you, Chance, because your head actually, Andres, your headline happened a little bit um, a couple of days ago, I believe. So let's hear about your headline. Is it a hero or a headline? Uh, it's it's a mixture, both. It's a hero and a headline. And the headline is a debut for the ages. And I'm referring to the <laughs> pitcher of the Arizona Diamondbacks and Tyler Gilbert, who just had a he threw a no hitter. For those of you who don't know in his first major league debut start, which is impressive. He's only, he's 27 years old, so he's not a true rookie in the sense of the term. But he gets called up, and he shuts down the Padres and just throws a no-hitter. He becomes the fourth pitcher to ever toss a no-no in his first start. So the last time it happened was in 1953 by the, by a name of Bob Holloman. Uh, this is also the eighth no-hitter for the regular season, but... The fact that this kid comes up, he's not a kid, this man, this Gilbert rookie comes up and throws 102 pitches and sits down all batters is just an impressive feat, especially when you get your first call up to the majors. Hey, Andres, you got to finish that stat, though. The two other people that also did it were in the 1800s. So two people did it in the 1890s? Yep. Bumpus Jones, Bumpus Jones in 1892, and Theodore Breitenstein in 1891. That's why I love baseball, because that's the only sport that has stats that old. But two people in the 1890s, one in the 1950s, and now one in the 2020s. That's that's crazy, dude. A debut for the ages, let me tell you that. And Flores will also tell you that it was actually the second no hitter that an Arizona Diamondbacks player threw this season um, because he'll be counting Madison Bumgarner's seven inning no no as number one on the year. Um, now let's uh, shoot it over to you, Chance, for your hero or your headline. What do you got for us? So I actually have a headline, and my headline is going to be Hit the Road, Jack. <laughs> and that is in reference to Tim Tebow leaving Jacksonville, Florida, because he was recently cut today. NFL rosters had to go from 90 down to, I believe, 85 or maybe 83 players. 
Um, so they had to do the first round of cuts after the first preseason game. And unfortunately, Tim Tebow did not make it. Pretty much saw this coming, fellas. Um, <laughs> you know, Tony Baselli, who is the first draft pick um, of the Jacksonville, ja- Jacksonville Jaguars back in the, the mid-90s, I want to say 1995, um, USC alum, said that, made a great point. He said that, you know, Tim, Tim Tebow has always prided himself on being a physical quarterback. Being a physical quarterback is different from being a physical position player or a lineman or tight end. And I don't know if you guys or any of our viewers or our listeners, um, that's right, because we, we do have a TV show coming soon for all our <laughs> listeners, so don't you worry about that. But, um, yeah, all of our listeners, I'm not sure if they actually saw some of the blocks that he attempted. But, man, he was whiffing out there. I mean, it looked terrible. There were two key blocks where, like, he just looked like he had no technique whatsoever man so it's just remarkable that he thought he could even come back and have a shot at making it I mean I don't don't think people realize fellas like Tim Tebow last played football eight years ago eight years ago that's so so long so um, a lot of rust to knock off there and especially you know a lot to learn if you've never played anything but quarterback and allegedly according to Tim Tebow and Urban Meyer that's all he's ever played he's never played any other positions but quarterback so it's hard to, you know, try to develop a skill set for something that you've never played and you have no muscle memory whatsoever on. So my headline is hit the road, Jack, Tim Tebow, take your ass back to ESPN Studios, take your ass back to the church and keep on kneeling, brother, because you are not in the NFL. Where's your hand raised for Andres? I still think he's better than uh, Matthew Stafford. It's just too bad they couldn't get him uh, a quarterback <laughs> position anywhere else in the league. So. <laughs> well, I think there's a reason why his old friend was the only one that can get him on the field this August. And uh, as Chant said, Timmy, get your pocket squares ready and uh, get that makeup ready because that's where you're headed. Back to the camera. And uh, Flores, last but not least, do you have a hero or a headline? Uh, I have a... You know what? I'm going to call this a hero, not even a headline. Netflix, you are my hero (laughs) because Netflix just constantly delivers these sports documentaries that are awesome. You don't have to, we're going to talk about it a little later, but the Kobe Bryant documentary is coming out. You got to pick a specific date and time to sit down and watch it, all this stuff. No, Netflix just gives you stuff. Go watch it. Malice at the Malice in the Palace. It's amazing. It's a documentary, again, on Netflix talking about what happened. uh, I forgot what year it was, like 2003 or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Between the Pistons and the uh, Pacers. Now, let me just kind of set this whole situation up and why this documentary is something you have to watch. Because a lot of people don't remember that this whole situation changed NBA history forever. This, this Pacers team essentially changed NBA history forever. Why? Because they lost in the Eastern Conference Finals because of a Ron Artest technical foul that got him kicked out of Game 6. I'm not going to ruin a lot of this stuff from the documentary, but had Ron Artest not gotten the technical foul and got kicked out of Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals, the Pacers may have beat because they were the best team in the East the Pistons that year. And guess what happens if they beat the Pistons that year? They play the Lakers with Carl Malone, Gary Payton, Shaq, Kobe, the team that lost four games to one to the Detroit Pistons mm-hmm. in the final. So if this Pacers team was that good, that good, that they 
were that close to being the team that forever everybody's going to talk about the Pistons. If you ever talk about a one solitary championship team, some people talk about Dirk and the Mavs. A lot of people refer to that Pistons team because that's the one team that won one game, no one title, no stars, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That could have been the Pacers, Reggie Miller, Ron Artest, the Pacers, Jermaine O'Neal. The Pacers were really good that year. And then the very next year, that is why the malice happened in the Palace because the Pacers were 7-2. and two. The season had just started and they were going to Detroit and all this stuff had just happened. I'm not going to say anything else. Tune in, watch that documentary. It's only, I believe, like an hour and a half or an hour and 15 minutes. Definitely worth your time. To me, Stephen Jackson steals the show. Um, He is the, if you could give a supporting actor (laughs) Oscar to anybody in this documentary, it would be to Jax. But make sure you guys tune in. It's an amazing, amazing documentary. And it also includes Tim Donnie, which was the referee that was indicted in all these gambling schemes. So it's just every angle you can possibly think of. The only thing missing from this whole thing, I think, was maybe Michael Jordan or Shaq talking about either of these two teams. But other than that, great documentary. Yeah, so uh, we have the Malice at the Palace documentary on Netflix. Andres says it's a debut for the ages for Arizona's pitcher Gilbert. Hit the road, Jack. Tim Tebow, no longer a Jacksonville Jaguar. And our list of moves that we're not impressed with in the current sports climate, those are last week's Heroes and Headlines. If you enjoy listening to the show, please subscribe to us on Instagram and Facebook. Just search Weekend Starts on Wednesday. You can keep up with all of our stories, all of our posts, and all of our predictions. Again, to keep up with all of our action and entertainment, Weekend Starts on Wednesday. Andres, Andres, Andres. Welcome to the weekend. The weekend starts on Wednesday. You have the honors of introducing the sports entertainment for the entire weekend. It starts tomorrow night, seven o'clock, right here in Los Angeles, Andres, tell our listeners what you're going to be doing to kick off the sports weekend. Well, I'm going to the old Chavez Ravine, the blue heaven on earth, good old Dodger Stadium to see them face against the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates. I don't really care about the Pirates so much. That's not why I'm going. I'm going specifically for one thing only. I'm getting my championship ring replica, okay? I'm getting the fucking ring. That's all I care about. I'm going with our good... Loyal listener and Brian, he's uh, he's taking me because he lost the he lost our fantasy game last week, so that was the bet for between us was the Dodger game. So as a result, I'm going to be enjoying myself at the game. I'm going to be flashing my ring. It's the first time ever that they've ever given out a replica ring for any sports fan. So I'm really excited for that. I feel like I've I've earned it as a fan because I've given plenty of money and sacrificing time and tears throughout my whole life being a Dodgers fan. So I wanted to make sure that I won't forget that. What's up, Pat? So you lost a bet to him. And he's no, I didn't lose a bet. You, he lost a bet to you, and he's taking you to the game. Correct. He bought your ticket. Correct. And he told me if I win this week in fantasy baseball and propel him into the fucking playoffs, all I get is a beer? 
Take it up with him. Take it up with him. I mean, you're getting a free beer, so I guess because it's you're you're only helping him in the long, like in the short run. But you know, because it's because it was the uh, the game was between him and I. Mm. You know, it's a little it's a little bit more uh, you know daring bet. I, okay, yeah, we, we will see him next week, Chance, so we can um, we can ask him <laughs> these questions. So, uh, Flores, what were your initial comments towards Andres being excited to get a replica World Series ring? Well, Andres, let me ask you this. <laughs> Would you rather have that replica ring that might not even fit you and, and you'll never be able to wear it? Or would you rather have an L.A. Dodgers Mexican Heritage jersey? No, give me the ring. Uh, I'm going to wear it on my pinky finger or my thumb. I'm going to wear it next week's show so you can see it, Flores, because I know you're very bitter that the Giants <laughs> couldn't provide a ring for their fans when they had one. Well, they, they provided three. Don't don't worry. I just didn't care to go get them because it was pointless. I didn't, I didn't play. And I will tell you, uh, tickets for that Dodgers-Pirates game are like double the price of any other ticket in the next uh week or so until they play the Padres. So definitely it looks like uh, not only you, but all of LA wants to go get that ring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You never know when the next one is fucking coming. Shit. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Jesus. This shit doesn't look so good because of, according to Flores, those damn giants are uh, on a very nice way to disrupt that dream of back to back for us. We will uh, we will cover the giants uh, for Friday's entertainment. But speaking of rings and a possible shortage of World Series rings, there was not a shortage in Los Angeles of Larry O'Brien trophies and NBA championship rings, largely thanks to Kobe Bryant and um, Kobe Bryant is going to be uh, profiled or highlighted in the ABC Superstar documentary. And um, apparently this uh, line of documentaries highlights uh, celebrities and athletes, Whitney Houston, Kobe Bryant, Robin Williams. And um, I can't remember the fourth one, um, but I'm going to be watching this. It's at 10 o'clock pre-show. Chance, we were saying, is it at 10 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Pacific? Uh, collectively, we agreed that it's going to be at 10 o'clock. However, uh, you could probably find a way to watch it if you cannot watch it live or as it releases. Are you going to be watching, Chance, or what do you got going on tomorrow night? Yeah, I'm going to be watching it. Um, I'm going to be back home in Louisville for uh, the homie's wedding. Shout out to my man, Matthew Bowling, and it's beautiful ride to be Haley. But yeah, man, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to be tearing up. I'm going to have some tissue near, uh, nearby, close by, because I know that uh, my emotions are definitely going to be stirred seeing some footage and, and hearing people talk about the late, great Kobe Bean, Bean Bryant. Still can't really believe that he's gone. You know, I was driving around the city earlier, fellas, and um, just the, the amount, regardless of where you are, what part of town, whether it's downtown, whether it's Melrose, not so much here on the west side because it's too bougie over here, but, um, you know, all the different, like, wall arts or graffiti you know, the dedications to Gigi and Kobe, um, you know, just still can't, can't believe he's gone, man, but definitely going to be watching with probably a tearful eye, Patrick. How about you, Cavalier King? Are you going to be cavalier about this whole documentary and not even pay attention to it, or are you going to give props to the late, great Kobe Bryant? Um, you know, I'm not going to be able to watch it live because I'll be at the game tomorrow, so I'll be missing it, but I'm sure I'll catch it on Hulu. I'll check it out. 
Uh, I have to see what they'll have to say about it, or I'm sure they'll be profiling, you know, his whole career and then his tragic death. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'll definitely tune into it. I'm just not going to be watching it uh, when it comes on uh, prime time tomorrow. Uh, and, uh, let's uh, let's uh, do uh, Flores. Uh, it's interesting to always hear your perspective on Kobe because you, you grew up in LA, uh, but you never rooted really for the Lakers. Um, you're going to definitely watch this though, right? No, I can't dude. Like I just like, first of all, I know all this stuff already and I can't just sit there and watch like this painful memory again. You know what I mean? Like that's all this is kind of, going to boil down to is how it leads to his untimely unfortunate death 18 months is i believe how long it's been now at this point mm-hmm. and it's just insane still doesn't register to me just saw a couple murals yesterday like chance was saying i was on melrose and there was a couple ones there one thing i do want to just real quick just mention we're all for the most part here la kids one thing i don't like is everybody comparing nipsey hustle to Kobe Bryant and all the murals being together tomorrow. When you guys watch this on ABC, you are going to see why Kobe Bryant was a completely different star than any other person you can put on a mural in LA. I personally can't watch it just because brings tears to my eyes and it's stuff that I've seen forever. I'd rather go watch, you know, highlights of his without any, you know, person narrating, talking about his life. Not let me just go watch highlights of him. I don't need to hear this sappy, sad stuff because I want to. Yeah, I, I want to remember Kobe the good things, not unfortunately the fact that his story is being told because he passed away. No, yeah, yeah, I, I agree, I agree. Um, and if you want to take it to the next level and you want to hear more things uh, that will kind of remind you of Kobe, uh, the All the Smoke podcast with uh, Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, they had on Lamar Odom. And um, Lamar Odom talks about Kobe Bryant, which actually, that's what really, um, it really got me like, you know, emotional and sad hearing about it, especially when you uh, think about the championship runs that they had. So that concludes Wednesday's entertainment. Dodgers met Kobe Bryant documentary, 10 o'clock p.m. ABC. Let's move it over to Thursday, uh, preseason football, the Patriots and Eagles. Super Bowl rematch, if you will. I'm just kidding because the rosters are completely different um we still have Jalen Hurts starting quarterback for the Eagles he's probably not gonna be playing a ton on Thursday night now he's a quarterback that's very interesting and uh Flores when you rank the quarterbacks in the NFC East where do you put Jalen Hurts all right so now let's 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 go through let me make sure that I, that I got this right Dak mm-hmm. Daniel Jones him and who is it that I'm missing? What what am I blanking on? Fitz Magic. Oh yeah. Um. I'll, I I'm not a big believer in Jalen. Unfortunately, I mean I I still remember Tua being you know put in instead of him in the championship game. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I I just I, I don't. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with this season with the just Eagles in general, but him, he, there's a lot of good, but there's just, it's, he's like a B grade Cam Newton in the sense the accuracy is there. A lot of the problems that Cam has 
are the things that Jalen Hurts, you know, unfortunately struggles with as well. So I've just never been the biggest fan of his. I have no idea. I mean, I get it. There's a lot of politics involved and stuff like that. But why the Eagles would choose to go that route as opposed to just trying to make it work with Wentz or just going a completely new route. But I don't know. I just can't see him really panning out as a stud star quarterback. You know, we'll see. Mac Jones, I think, has a better chance to be a star in this league than Hurts. I'll say that much. Chance, you're laughing. So I think you might agree or disagree. No, wholeheartedly disagree. But I mean, I mean, hey, they're both still still early uh, in their careers. I mean, Mac Jones hasn't even got his started yet. Jalen, I think, was just a starter last year, but he did look I, again. I, as, as much as I was talking shit about the lack of competition in the preseason, he looked good throwing the ball. He had a couple ropes that he uh, that he was out there lacing to uh, to Zach Ertz or Dallas Hodder. I think Zach Ertz is actually on his on the decline in, in Philly, but should be a good game. Uh, rematch of the Super Bowl. They have a new coach in Philly. I think his name's Nick Sirianni. Um, the thing that I'm concerned about is him because it looks like, from what I can tell from their preseason game, that that's not that's not a tight ship that he's running over there. So if Jalen doesn't have a good season, I'm going to talk it up to an inexperienced rookie head coach who's probably in over his head and that doesn't really deserve work, that position that he's in um, more than Jalen. But you know what? I, I think... More than anything, this is going to be more 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 telling about Mac Jones and Cam Newton and the New England Patriots situation at the, at the quarterback position. I think we're going to learn more about that than anything from Jalen Hurts or the Eagles. I think this is. I was just reading an article. They were saying that today's practice was super competitive. That Cam was thirteen out of fifteen with the first team reps, and that Mac Jones was fourteen, or excuse me, thirteen out of fourteen Ooh. with the first team Ooh. reps. So they're they're neck and neck. I think Mac Jones had an interception. Cam didn't have any. Uh, they said he looked much more comfortable than he did in the preseason game. So um, I think that'll be the interesting thing that we see on on the game, Patrick, is who is going to emerge as that starter for New England. Andres, if you have to win an NFL game tomorrow and you have Cam Newton, Mac Jones, or Jalen Hurts, who are you starting? And if you lose, my friend, you have to sleep in your car the entire weekend. Uh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go with Mac Jones. Believe ah. it or not, and the reason why is because I lost a lot of respect for Scam Newton during that Super Bowl when he didn't go after the ball. Uh, he's mentally not all there. Jalen Hurts, you know, I, yeah, he's a good quarterback. He's a good athlete. I just don't know if he's got the drive to to win. Whereas Mac Jones has got the He's got the chips against the wall. He doesn't, you know, he's coming in as a rookie. He's got a lot of proof. Give me that. Give me the young kid with a lot of heart, a lot of balls. So I'm going to go with Mac Jones between all three of them. So it'll be interesting to see this preseason game. I am predicting that the Eagles will finish in the cellar of the of the uh, NFC East this year. Oh, wow. I like that. I like that because that means the Cowboys aren't in the cellar. And it's um interesting because I said to win one game tomorrow, an NFL game. And you went with the only quarterback that's never played an NFL game. <laughs> give, me, give me a kid who is, you know, and who's never been given a true opportunity. I think he'll, he's got everything to, to show and to prove. So I, I like that more than anything else. All right. So NFL Thursday night, I believe it's on NFL Network. Make sure that you guys check it out. Maybe do a mock fantasy draft while you watch the game. Um, let's move on to Friday. 
first place San Francisco Giants taking on the Oakland Athletics, who, um, and I'm very sorry for not knowing this, but the Oakland Athletics are either in first place or they are very close to being in first place of the AL West. I'm going to fast forward to October and say that. Sorry, they're two games out of first place. Okay, so they're they're close. So I'm going to fast forward to October and say that the Giants and A's have what it takes to make it to the championship series, respectively, in the AL and NL. So needless to say, as Flores said before the show, every single baseball game for these teams that are in playoff contention, every single game matters. So this is a huge series for the Bay. Um, It's a huge series for the standings. Flores, how many games do you think the Giants are going to win? Let's just ask you that question because I know you're rooting for the Giants. So how many do you think they're going to win? Do you think they're going to sweep? Do you think they're going to win one, win two? First of all, I just I, I just wanted to say that I find it disrespectful that you are considering the A's to be on the same level oh, as the what? Giants. And that let's say that they're both going to make it and can go deep in the playoffs. First of all, the A's may not even make the playoffs. They're As of right now, yeah, they're two and a half games back of the Astros which, I mean, we all know might be the best team in the AL, but they're also right in the thick of it with the Yankees and the Red Sox for the wild card. So they are going to get swept because the Giants have absolutely been demolishing everybody. They're going to fall more games behind, and the Giants are just going to – they're going to be at 80 games one after this series, in my opinion. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. I love – this season following them on Instagram because every single day I see their story at around like nine or 10 PM and it says giants get a W Mm. every single day. It seems like that's happening. So I expect that to keep going Uh, earlier on the show. Andres was talking about how the Dodgers are going to overtake the giants. They're only four games back. They've been four games back the whole season. Andres, they are not coming back. The Giants are winning the West. The Giants are going to the World Series. And this is where the stretch run starts. Let's go. <laughs> I have to laugh at that. The think that they're going to go to the World Series. Sorry. <laughs> so I just want to say that each bold prediction is worth seven points. The first to 21 collects beer from the losers. And Flores hit his bold prediction on Sunday. Oh, I did hit it. I wasn't sure what the score, what the tiebreaker was. So was me, and Cos- me and Cosby got it right, you, right? Both you, of us? You and Chance each had perfect picks. I believe you guys went with the Reds, the Blue Jays, and the Dodgers, and they all won. Yeah. And um, the tiebreaker was the most runs scored in the Dodgers game. Uh, Flores voted five runs. Chance voted four runs, and the Dodgers won like fourteen to three or something. So Flores had <laughs> when, that, when that high when I saw the high score, I was like, "Fuck!" Oh, I think I picked like a low number. Thank God, Chance went even lower than. Yeah, so um, it's all good. the 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 score is reset to zero. Flores, congratulations. Um, we will decide via text what we should be bringing you to drink next Tuesday show. But um, the Question to I, I pose to Andres and Chance is that Flores said that the Giants are going to sweep the A's. Is that bold enough for you, Chance, to accept? Uh, yeah, I'll take it. I mean, you know, that's going to be a rivalry game. They're 
both playing well, even though the, the A's are a few games out of first place. So that's well enough for me. I mean, sweep, especially this time in yeah. August, that says a lot. Andres? Yeah, it's bold enough. Um, it's a battle for the base, so it is a rivalry, even though they're not in the same league. But, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that the A's can put up a fight and at least steal one game in this weekend series. And let's move on to the Mets-Dodgers series. And let's be quick with this because we've already talked about the Dodgers and we already talked about the Mets as well last week. I just wanted to use this to ask you guys if it's a bold prediction for the Dodgers to outscore the Mets this whole weekend by 10 or more runs. By 10 or more. So right now, let me just throw this out there. The Dodgers have a plus 194 run differential. The Mets minus 27. Oh God! <laughs> so, so wait, is it a wait, is it a three or four game series? Three. It's a three game series. I I I am sorry, Pat. That is not bold enough. Oh, I lied. Hey, it's, I lied. It's a four game series. It's a four game series. Okay. Oh, definitely not. So the Dodgers outscored the Mets by fifteen or more runs from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. All right, I'll t- I'll take that. Chance, I'm looking at you in your Lamar Jackson jersey. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll on, take it. Andres? Absolutely not. Wait, what? Yeah, the reason being is I'm looking at down the line, and guess who is going to be on the mound for at least this series? Starting Thursday, Bueller, and pitching for the Mets. Uh, let's see. Whenever it comes up. And they have David Price pitching on Sunday. David Price oh, is... Not Bueller good. versus Walker on Thursday. Look, I just don't think the Mets offense they can cover fifteen. Bueller, the Bueller, Bueller versus Walker. That that's hilarious, by the way. Bueller <laughs> versus Walker. Yeah, Bueller exactly right. Coincidentally, it's just ironic. <laughs> All right. So I just think that fifteen is a lot. But you know what? Because it's the first. Yes. First, uh, go around. Yes. Seriously. I'll let, it, I'll let it slide. I'll I'll give it to you, Pat, just to be nice. Okay. So um, that concludes Friday's entertainment. We still have to cover Saturday and Sunday. We will do so just after this message. You know, I'm not going to be impressed until he pulls a Doc Ellis and pitches a no-hitter under the influence of LSD. That is what, that's what I'm waiting for. If you're not going to do that, don't even fucking talk to me. Um, Flores, over to you. What are you watching Saturday night, and what should our listeners be looking for Saturday night? Everybody, and absolutely everybody on Saturday should be tuning in to Fox Pay-Per-View. I talked about this last week. I went on a huge rant. Manny Pacquiao is fighting probably his last fight this Saturday. Manny Pacquiao has one of the most legendary boxing careers of all time. Eight-time division champion, more than any other boxer ever. More divisions he's dominated more than any other boxer ever. He's just, he's a fighter. He goes out there and he fights. Unlike, I love Floyd Mayweather, but unlike Floyd Mayweather, who fights a defensive style, Manny Pacquiao has always been very offensive-minded. He loves smacking his own face and saying, come on, come on. And he's the sweetest guy with the sweetest voice, but 
inside of the ring, the squared circle, as they say, he is an absolute beast, and we get to see that on display this Saturday against Jordani Skugas, who is a solid champion in his own right. It's unfortunately not Errol Spence Jr., but it's Manny Pacquiao. You get to see Manny Pacquiao. I can literally say Manny Pacquiao 50 times in a row to have you guys understand how great of an event this is going to be. Manny Pacquiao, Manny Pacquiao, Manny Pacquiao. Also, <laughs> Robert Guerrero versus Victor Ortiz is on the undercard. Robert Guerrero, the ghost formerly fought Floyd Mayweather. So nice little decent undercard as well, not too spectacular. It was unfortunately cut a little bit short because Jordanis Ugas was supposed to be the co-main, but now he's the main event against Manny Pacquiao. If there's anything you do this Saturday, unless you're at one of these sporting events here in L.A. or wherever it may be, make sure you tune into this fight and watch Manny Pacquiao go out, hopefully on top. Andres, what are the bets looking like for the Pacquiao fight? Are there anything? Are there any interesting bets that you will be taking? Are there any interesting bets that you have already placed? Uh, I have not placed anything yet. Uh, I will be. I'll tell you the odds. I'll tell you the odds. Who would you take? Who are you taking? Pacquiao minus three fifty. Ugas plus like two twenty two fifty. I think. No, Pacquiao, might, but it's not worth. I mean, it's a lot to lay the wood at minus three fifty. What's the knockout? That's what I would be looking at. Uh, I don't have that in front of me, Jimmy. Get back to me, Chance. I'll wait. I'll wait for Jimmy to get back to me. Chance, would you um, would you put money on Ugas to win, even if it's like plus two thirty? Because what if? It goes the distance and Pacquiao loses because they want him to come back for another fight. Would that cross your mind? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, absolutely. You never know. I mean, I was just thinking about the whole Timothy Bradley situation when he lost that fight. He shouldn't have lost that first Timothy Bradley fight. Um, I remember we were at Boardwalk 11 watching that with your dad and didn't believe that upset happened. But I could see that happening. But if this is truly his last fight, which I don't think it is. I think he's saying that. I know he's older. I know he's long in the tooth. He's got a lot of fights under his belt. He has nothing else really left to prove. But I still think that there's a chance that he fights Floyd one last time. I'm hoping that he does because <laughs> um, I think the sport owes us that. And I think, frankly, Floyd owes us that. But um, I don't see any way, frankly, how he loses. I mean, you never know. In boxing, you never know. But... I just can't see it, man. So you wouldn't put so like you would rather like let's say I gave you you know forty bucks to to bet on this fight. You say you know what? I'd rather just buy some bud for the both of us than uh, bet this money. I, I, I'd, rather, I'd rather go play the lottery. <laughs> Flores has a has Jimmy gotten back to you? I'll I'll tell you guys this much. If I were to bet on this fight, I were to I would bet Ugas to win. The reason why is. Again, Cosby just laid it out. Pacquiao is not Floyd. Pacquiao is not defined by winning every fight. He's lost to Bradley. He's lost to Horn. He's lost fights recently, too. And Ugas is legit, man. I know I'm saying he's not Errol Spence, but this guy is still legit. So Is he, is he better than, than Adrian Broner? 100%. He would murder Adrian Boner right now. <laughs> no, Ugas is actually legit. And real quick, Pacquiao by TKO or KO is plus 165. The last time he fought 
he didn't seem to have that power. He knocked Keith Thurman down early, but beyond that, didn't have that power to him. So I just don't know if that's that's kind of the way to go. But yeah, man, it, it, if you're trying to make some money, it's still a 50-50 fight in my eyes. So you might as well take Ugas with those odds. Do, just saying. Do you think uh, the fight can go the distance or over two ten and a half rounds? Yes, that's another good bet, I would say, too, because I don't think either of them are knocking the other one out. So the, the over-under is 10.5 rounds, uh, and the over 10.5 is minus 170. So the odds makers are expecting this fight to go to 11, possibly go to the, the cards in all 12 rounds. It will. If I, were to, if I were to do a bold prediction, I'd say Ugas to win by decision – and that takes care of the over, decision, and Ugas. That's three bets in one right there. Right Just putting that good. out there for, for, for you gambling addicts out there. Well, I'll be in Vegas. I might have to sprinkle a little something on that fight on Saturday. So I might do. I might follow uh, follow your pick on that, Flores, since you are the combat uh, connoisseur and master of it all. So I, I will if you do, do that. If you do that, I'll demo you. If you do that, I'll demo you right to yeah. So Ugas, huh? Yeah, Let's that sounds. Ugas. That actually sounds like a really good idea. I didn't know you're going back to Andres. Look at Andres, the wild horse, headed up to 15 North. Yeah, I gotta go. Uh, mom's celebrating her birthday, so she wanted to go. So I gotta go celebrate with mom. Say, say less. All you need is a reason to head out there. You already got your bags packed. Um, so I want to ask you, Chance, because Flores touched on this, and he said there's uh, events going on Saturday night around Los Angeles. Um, Saturday night, 7 p.m. is another preseason football game, the Raiders and the Rams. Um, Sunday is uh, 4.30 p.m., so it's a bit of a primetime game between the 49ers and the Chargers. And uh, they're both going to be at SoFight Stadium. And I just wanted to ask you, Chance, you recently went to SoFight Stadium, correct? (laughs) I did. I noticed how you're calling it SoFight, and that's... So by because they were in there rumbling, tumbling, and fighting, man. There was a brawl there. I was at the game this past Saturday, Chargers versus Rams. And I got to say, man, I was disappointed thoroughly with the experience. SoFi is a nice stadium. The screen is amazing. They have this panoramic, like, circular screen um, that, like, is super, super clear and is super interactive, and that's dope. But outside of that, in the mariachi band that they had playing, you know, it was pretty fucking whack. I got to say, they ran out of hot dogs, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, hot dogs by halftime at a preseason game. They ran out of some alcohol. They ran out of wine, some beers. Um, another thing was the price point. My friend who took me, shout out to Caitlin Penny because she, she came through with the tickets, but um, she purchased wine her and her boyfriend purchased wine and it was literally four and a half ounces for 17 dollars. it was ridiculous um my burrito my chicken tinga burrito was terrible it had like maybe like the equivalent of like one chicken wing in the entire burrito um and then for those who didn't see it there was a fight and literally the fight went on for like three minutes before security even got there you know, Flores was just talking about the malice in the palace. If, if our if our listeners go and watch that documentary on Netflix, you'll see that one of the flaws in the response to that was that there was literally no police presence, no security presence. 
that's why it was able to kind of balloon into the pretty much the, the, the melee that it turned into. That was pretty much evident at Saturday's game, man. I mean, literally, and it all started because some woman threw a cup at some dude, and, like, it just started off this huge melee where everyone in the stadium was literally paying more attention to the fight in the stands than the game that was going on in the field. But so far, I'm super disappointed, so much so that I think I'm just going to go ahead and make you my scumbag of the night because you literally robbed me of my enjoyment. I mean, outside of the aesthetics of the stadium and it's open and the screen, I was very, very, very disappointed. The seats were not comfortable whatsoever, no padding. Um, yeah, man, just the food selection, the concessions, the fact that they ran out of stuff. The one thing I'll give them is they have plenty of bathrooms. So <laughs> that works out. But, but everything else, man, super subpar. You would think that they would have this operationally down since they had a year with COVID to kind of, you know, you know, dot their I's and cross their T's. But they are not on their P's and, P's and Q's. They got a lot of work to do at So Fight Stadium, Patrick. I mean, this. I will say this. I, I will say this, though. Just like NFL teams are in the preseason, sometimes so are the stadiums. So maybe they're just still figuring out, you know, how much food to bring in. All you know, we're still in a pandemic, and you know, bacon costs twelve bucks a packet, baby. So that's why they're short on hot dogs. I don't know, but. <laughs> But because I'm on, the weekend starts on Wednesday, and we always talk about what games are coming up this week. I just bought some tickets to the 49ers against the Chargers for this Sunday right now while we were on air. And it's all because of Chance's glowing review of the stadium (laughs) that I want to go see for myself how whack those seats are. Damn. How how much were the uh, seats, uh, Flores? Cheapest seats were sixty bucks. Uh, we actually went through. Yeah, we went through a friend that had some uh, some other tickets. Ooh, you're gonna season tickets. Okay, so you're gonna head hey, out. It's the, hey, it's the first. It's the first time seeing SoFi. It's the 49ers. Mm-hmm. and we got great seats. You know, nine rows back. So it all works out. You're gonna see Trey Area. Exactly. Hey, so um, Chance, thank you very much for bringing up the scumbag of the night and the scumbag of the night is the individual responsible for ruining your sports happiness. Um, my scumbag of the night is actually, um, somebody that's on TV. Um, his name is Frank Isola. Um, Frank Isola pissed me off today. He made the headlines for all the wrong reasons, in my opinion, because he made a comment about the Greg Popovich video that is surfacing around the internet where Greg Popovich is in the locker room with the uh, U.S. gold medal winners uh, for men's basketball. And uh, he basically said to all the haters, all the doubters, everybody that doubted us, how the fuck do you like us now, right? And everybody started getting crazy. And, you know, it really, I liked it. I thought that was great. I thought it was awesome that, you know, he he bonded with his team that way. And Frank Isola is... Um, a news reporter or a sports news reporter and he was on around the horn today on ESPN and he brought up the video and said how he still thinks that people had every right to doubt Greg Popovich. He listed um, some shortcomings over the last few years that Greg Popovich has had as a coach and this and that. And it's like, look, Frank, they just won the gold medal and 
when you win your around the horn segment, you have to give a victory speech. You could have given a victory speech on anything else. You could have brought up how Naomi Osaka is going to donate all her money that she earns this weekend to um, a probable, you know, good cause. But no, you you still went after Popovich after he's already proven all the doubters and haters wrong. So that's why he pissed me off. I was upset. I was working and I was upset for like a good, like, you know, four to five minutes. I was like, this fucking guy, like, like, come on, dude. Like, it just really pissed me off because I'm always on the belief that if you win something, people should shut the fuck up because you just won. Like, you have the right. So that's why Frank is my scumbag of the night. Uh, let's shoot it over to you, Andres. Who's your scumbag of the night? My scumbag of the night is none other than the Baltimore Orioles in Major League Baseball. And the reason why I picked them as my scumbag of the night, because for those who are unaware, the New York Mets have something they call as Bobby Bonilla Day. Now the Baltimore Orioles follow their coattails, and now it's a Chris Davis Day for the next couple of years that they have to pay him out till 2037, I believe. Uh, he's getting paid a nice big chunk of change. This guy just recently retired. He's, you know, I don't understand why they even gave him that big contract to begin with. In his span and his career, he only batted 233. I don't even think that's his, but he earned enough to get a hell of a contract, big contract. And Patrick, do you know what they're going to be paying him next year for, for not playing anything? I didn't, I, I forgot. What was the number? million dollars can you explain can you explain to everybody why they're doing this do you know why they're paying him after he's retired it's because of the the contract that's what it was guaranteed so he's got until 2037 they have to pay him out 65 million dollars is what it is uh next year 20 sorry 23 million i said 16 i'm mistaken thank you jimmy with the stats 9.1 million dollars from 2023 till 2025 $3.5 $3.5 million from 2026 till 2032 and $1.4 million from 2033 until 2037. This guy is just unbelievable. <laughs> that's just, that's just ridiculous. And he, the worst thing is he's only when it's all wrapped up and said and done as his career, he's top 15 in Orioles stats. He's not even the top 10. That is, or even top five. I don't understand why they could salivate at the mouth and give him that big ass contract that happened uh, seven years ago. It's just asinine to me. And let it be known that hopefully by now, Major League Baseball will learn their lesson, or Major League franchises will learn their lesson in giving these astronomical contracts for players that don't really deserve it. He never won an MVP. He was only third at his highest voting for an MVP. Yes, he led the league in two years for home runs. Not the greatest, though. He only averaged about 35 per year home runs. So I don't understand it, but the Orioles are my scumbags. They, they've they literally have gone down the drain the last 20 years. They haven't made the playoffs, I think, maybe since Cal Ripken was around. Uh, so it's been a long time coming and they're just setting themselves up for failure for the next coming years because they have to pay out this contract still. So it's disgusting to me. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get it. And uh, if you're not familiar with Bobby Bonilla day listeners, they did the same thing. They guaranteed Bobby Bonilla money 
Uh, he's still getting paid every July 1st. He gets paid. So, um, yeah, Baltimore Orioles, you are responsible for ruining Andres Sports Happiness. Flores, over to you for your scumbag. I would honestly rather have that Chris Davis thing on my books if I were a franchise than to have my scumbag. I'll just read this really quickly. This has transpired over the last couple of weeks. So first off, first off, the Grizzlies acquired Patrick Beverly from the L.A. Clippers in the trade that sent Eric Bledsoe to the Clippers. And then the Memphis Grizzlies are trading Patrick Beverly to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Patrick Beverly is my scumbag. I hate watching that guy play. And obviously, so do the Grizzly players. So do the Clippers. He laughed in Steph Curry's face, I think, when they got some of these big players and said, hey, the last five years were yours. The next five are ours. Now, he's pretty much what he was when he came in the league, which is a journeyman, back on the road again. Stuck in Minnesota, mm. just the coldest place in the U.S. is what I've heard, is what Minnesota is. And Patrick Beverly, I hate watching him play offense. Defense, he's all right. He's not great like people make him out to be. He's just all right. Fouls a lot, things like that. But it's just, I. a lot of people say that's the type of guy you wish you had on your team. No, I would absolutely hate it if Patrick Beverly was on the Chicago Bulls and was taking up time from these other guards because that guy just absolutely sucks, in my opinion. Andres. Flores, I can I can attest that Minnesota is the coldest fucking place in all of the United <laughs> States. Why? Because I've experienced it when I was there. Three years ago, it was negative 20 degrees with the wind chill factor. I was doing work out there in this small place called Jackpot Junction, two hours outside of Minneapolis, freezing cold, doing work for a security company to install security stuff. And let me tell you, every drill bit we used broke. And I was bundled up from head to toe. And there were people in this casino, in an Indian reservation, wearing fucking shorts wearing shorts and laughing at me because i was bundled up head to toe and i the only response i had was i'm only here for fucking four days and i'm going back to sunny california so fuck you guys (laughs) so right now there is a casino in jackpot junction that is at high risk of being robbed because andres set up all the cameras and all the wires out there. So if you want a big payout, head to Jackpot Junction. But before it gets too cold, right? And uh, Jimmy with the stats came to me and said that um, Naomi Osaka is donating all her money earned this weekend in her tennis tournament to the Haiti Relief Fund. So major shout out to her for doing that. Um, major shout out to my dad for letting me use his office to record the podcast. Um, it sounds great during the test run. So uh, major shout out to our listeners. We love each and every one of you. You will never be our scumbags. And um, Chris Davis was actually, Andres, the first player in our fantasy baseball league, the first first round pick to ever get dropped midseason because whoever drafted him could no longer take it. And they, they dropped him. And if you play any fantasy sports, you never drop your first round uh, pick 
unless they get injured. So um, that concludes the 113th episode. We hope that you guys enjoyed it. If you're going to place any bets this weekend, good luck, and we'll see you next week.